You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. This morning we're continuing the Getting Into Shape series as we're going to talk today about two more spiritual disciplines that can help us grow in godliness and that can help us become all that God's created us to be. Because this is what I know today. Praise God for who you are and where you've come. But this is what I know. God has more. Turn to your neighbor and say, say to them, God has more. Man, God has more. But He has more He wants to grow in your life. He has more He wants to do through your life. So the spiritual disciplines help us embrace that process. Possibly, you've heard this phrase before, and maybe you can even finish it for me this morning. This is how it goes. If you keep on doing what you've always done, you keep on getting what? What you've always got. In other words, if we keep on doing the same old thing, the same old way, we're going to get the same results. And that's one of the reasons we stop growing and developing in our lives. We keep on doing the same old thing. And then we act like we're surprised when we get the same old result. But it's a given. If you keep doing the same thing, what you're going to keep getting, you're going to keep getting the same results. So if we want to grow, if we want to change, if we want to train ourselves to be God, if we want to open our lives to all that God has for us, then what? we have to be willing to do some, some things. Then we have to be willing to embrace the process of change. Listen, if you want God to do something new in your life, you can't keep doing the same old thing. Let me say that again. If you want God to do something new in your life, you can't keep doing the same old thing. You've got to do something different. Well, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you would say that you want God, something, you want God to do something new and fresh in your life in 2018? Listen, you can't get there by doing the same old things you've been doing. How many of you say, I want to open my life in a greater way to God's grace and God's goodness and God's favor in 2018? Obviously, we would all want that. You can't get there by doing the same old thing. If you want God to do something new in your life, then you have to change what you're doing. You have to do, you have to do something new. And then you have to turn that into a righteous routine that you do over and over and over again. Listen, just as you don't get into physical shape in a day or a week, so you don't get into spiritual shape in a short period of time. But it requires the ongoing practicing of the spiritual disciplines in your life. It's just like a foreign language or, or learning a martial art. Spiritual disciplines like have this learning curve. I mean, how ridiculous it would be for you to say, well, I want to learn a foreign language, and you go to class for a week, and at the end of the week you're just all kinds of frustrated because you can't speak the language fluently. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? But it takes a process of time. I mean, I've been working on the English language for 52 years, and I still struggle. <laughs> In a process of time. Or, or say martial arts. How ridiculous it would be for you to go to martial arts class for a week and at the end of the week be like angry at yourself because you're not a black belt yet. And it doesn't work that way, does it? What? There's, a, there's a process and it takes time. Spiritual growth and development, becoming godly doesn't happen in days, friends. It happens in decades. It's a process of time of consistently, routinely, what, embracing the new that God's doing in his life so that he can do something new in our lives. Again, that's the value, the value of the spiritual disciplines in our lives. Well, we're training ourselves to be godly has value both in this life and the life to come. Matter of fact, let's look back to our theme verse for this series, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. 
It's on the screen. So let's read this together. Would you read this with me this morning? Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Notice, notice Paul says, train yourself to be godly. Notice he doesn't say, inform yourself to become godly. Nor does he say, educate yourself to become godly. Now, nothing wrong with education. I'm all for education. And that's not what Paul says. We have to train ourselves. So to train means to embrace a physical, to embrace a process that, that shapes or, or develops your life. To, to embrace a process that changes who you are. And I like what Donald Whitney says as he speaks of the value of spiritual discipline. It's a great book. He wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. But listen to what he said. He says, God has given us the spiritual disciplines as a means of receiving His grace and growing in godliness. By them, by the spiritual disciplines, we place ourselves before God for Him to work in us. So what are the spiritual disciplines? They place us before God. They position us before God so that God can work in us. Here's the good news this morning. Listen, training yourself to become godly is not about more self-effort, working harder, or just being more diligent. Now listen, you are a partner in the process. You're a participant in the process. You can't sit back and do nothing and expect to get into shape, right? That's like as crazy as... You know, you're sitting on the recliner eating Krispy Kreme donuts all day and you wonder why you're not in shape. Well, that is crazy, right? Same for us spiritually. You're, you're a participant in the process. In other words, you're going to the gym. You're a participant in the process. But here's the good news. You have a spiritual trainer. You have a coach. You have a helper. Who is it? It's the Holy Spirit. The third person in the Trinity who refines and transforms, that teaches and encourages, that convicts. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. So the spiritual disciplines, this is really important that you catch it, the spiritual disciplines position us before God, or place us before God, so that God by His Spirit can bring His transforming grace into our lives, changing us from the inside out. And in the process, what happens? We become godly. Oh, we're training, we're training ourselves Become godly. So in this series so far, we've talked about four spiritual disciplines. We talked about prayer and fasting the first Sunday. Last week we talked about silence and solitude. So if you missed either one of those, I would encourage you to check out the podcast. And today we want to talk about two more disciplines that can help us grow in godliness. And they are the disciplines of simplicity and service. Simplicity. And turn to your neighbor and say, tell them simplicity and service. Simplicity and service. You know, the spiritual disciplines of simplicity and service help us confront what I think is possibly the greatest obstacle to godliness, which is this, self-centered living. Self-centered. So what keeps us from becoming more like Christ? I believe one of the greatest obstacles today is like really close to you. Because it is you. Self. I don't know if you've noticed, probably you figured this out because you're really smart. But we are, we are selfish, self-seeking, self-serving individuals. Go ahead and nod your head. Yeah. Saying, that's me. That is true. 
By nature, we are. I mean, it's proven. And if, if you've had children, or maybe you have young children now, you've seen this. But we see it in children. Take a one, one and a half year old, and they have their toys. They want all the toys, right? I don't want to share. Matter of fact, one of the first words they learn beyond, beyond mommy and daddy is what? Mine. Right? Mine. Now, think about this. Who taught them to be selfish? Who trained them to be selfish? No one. Naturally, naturally, they're, they're selfish. So, I mean, first of all, you, you and I have this challenge is... is their very nature is to be self-centered, self-seeking. Not only that, our culture conditions us to be selfish. The culture we live in, just think about it. Today, when you're watching the football game, when you're watching the Vikings beat the Eagles, right, Bill? I'm sorry for the Eagle fans. When you're watching the Eagles beat the Vikings, however that falls out, just watch some of the advertisement. And this is what I can almost guarantee you. Most of the advertisement is going to be all about you. Well, they want you to think that it's all about you. There was one restaurant that really caught this a few years ago. And this may outdate some of you. But Burger King used to have this advertising line that said you can have it what? Your way. Your way. And you love that, don't you? Well, you love it being all about you. And we don't like to admit that because it kind of shows a bit of the ugly within us. Kind of the pride, the arrogance. But for all of us in the room today, if we're honest, we all like it to be about us just a little bit. And I think it's self that becomes the greatest obstacle that keeps us from training ourselves to be godly. That's why these two spiritual disciplines of simplicity and service are so significant. Because listen, you can't become more like Christ until you come to a place that there's less of you. Let me say that again. Maybe the most profound thing I'll say this morning. You can't become more like Christ until there's less of you. And it's these two disciplines that help us come to that place. Listen, it's never convenient. It's never comfortable, nor is it easy, yet it's necessary if we're going to train ourselves to be godly. So let's talk about these two disciplines really quick. The first discipline is simplicity. Simplicity. Maybe you've seen the acronym KISS. How many are familiar with the KISS acronym? Keep it simple, saints. Right? Yeah, let's keep it healthy, okay? Keep it simple, saints. You know, there's this, there's this longing in our culture today. I really believe for simplicity. Our lives have become so full, so cluttered, so busy. We have both the blessing of technology and the curse of technology, if you know what I'm talking about. Our lives have become, become so complicated. And there's this, there's this trend, there's this desire. And we see it in a lot of different ways. But let me, let me give you two just relevant Areas that I, I see it happen or where I see this people longing for, for simplicity. First, there's a magazine out that called, uh, this out recently called Real Simple. The tagline is uh, Life Made Easier. It's all about well, how, do we, how do we simplify our lives? 
Amazing how the numbers of the sale of the magazine continue to climb. Here's a second trend recently in our nation. is the trend of the tiny home or the tiny house. Sweeping our nation. The average American home today is about 26, 2700 square feet. The average tiny home uh, square, square footage is about 100 to 400 square feet. People getting rid of the more so that they can have less, so that their lives are more simplified. One of the articles that I was reading about this trend made this statement. Listen as I read this. Tiny homes are sweeping the nation, and many people are finding the transition to more simple living a breath of fresh air. Because their lives are not so complicated. There's not all of this stuff. The spiritual discipline of simplicity is an inward reality. So it starts in here. It's an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. Simplicity reorients our lives so that possessions and pursuits can be genuinely enjoyed without without destroying us. Listen, friends, there's nothing wrong with possessions and pursuits. Let me say it again. Nothing wrong with possessions and pursuits if here's the big if and it is a big if if you own the possessions rather than the possessions owning you and if your pursuits are for God not for self nothing wrong with possessions and pursuits if you own them rather than them owning you and your pursuits are after God not self-promotion One of the challenges, I think, in our culture today is we've bought into this lie that says, I have to impress others by what I have. I want others to like me by what I have or by what I wear. So we spend ridiculous ridiculous amounts of money buying clothes because we think our clothes and what we wear defines us. Again, I'm not against dressing well, looking nice. But it's crazy what we do of how we chase after things thinking the things define us and we're trying to impress others so we spend all of this money and here's the crazy part about it we're trying to impress people we don't even like <laughs> is that not ridiculous because we we've come to think that the car i drive defines who i am or the address i live at defines who i am again i'm not against the clothes i'm not against the possessions i'm not against the address you live at listen listen It's okay to have the possessions. It's okay to have pursuits, to have ambition, as long as it's God-seeking, God-honoring, and we understand that the stuff is really not ours, it's His, right? I don't own it. God owns it. And it's this discipline of simplicity that kind of helps us bring everything in in the right right perspective. Because if we're not careful... The stuff in life can become the master of our lives. Listen to what Jesus said. Luke 16, 13. Jesus said, no servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other. He'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and stuff. One or the other. But Jesus said, you can't serve both. And see, it's the discipline of simplicity that really helps us have right focus. 
Listen, when you have right focus, it leads you to right pursuit that leads you to righteous, godly living. Do you get that? Right focus will lead you to right pursuits that results in righteous, godly living. Well, you're training yourself to be godly. Simply by saying, I don't need all of this stuff. I don't need my life to be so complicated and so complex that there's no room for margin, there's no room for breathing. I don't need all of this stuff that has so distracted me from the main purpose of my life. Because listen, if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in the temporary that we miss the eternal. Friends, don't do that. Because listen, everything that you hold in this life, like the stuff, listen... Either it's all going to pass away or you're going to leave it behind. That's just, that is reality. Either one or two is going to happen. It's going to rot and decay or you're going to die and you're going to leave it all behind. So don't allow the stuff, the temporary stuff of this life to define your life. And again, the value of simplicity. What things don't define me. Stuff doesn't define me. And nothing wrong with the stuff. I have some stuff. Man, you come out to the farm, I can show you some stuff. I got a nice tractor. I got some nice cows. Nice chickens. You'll like my chickens if you came to the farm. I have some stuff. But I'm telling you, the stuff doesn't define who I am. I'm defined by who I serve, being Jesus Christ. We have to keep right focus. Right focus leads to right pursuits that will lead us to what righteous, godly living. So as we embrace this this discipline of simplicity, what happens? I think three things. First, we find a healthy pace of life. Rather than being driven by life to have more, gather more, consume more, what we train ourselves to be content. As we, as we embrace and implement the discipline of simplicity, we can create margins in our lives and we have time to breathe. Life becomes healthier. Why? Because we're not driven to impress others. I don't need things to impress others. Because I'm not living my life to impress others. I'm living my life to please God. Right. Different focus. So what? The pace of life becomes, becomes healthier. Simply stated, listen, simplicity will bring sanity. Simplicity will bring sanity to your life and to your schedule. I, I think secondly, as we live out this discipline and simplicity, we have a healthy view of possessions. The stuff. A healthy view. What's a healthy view? We don't own it. God owns it. What's a healthy view? We don't allow the possessions of life to define us. A healthy view is this. We don't buy things to impress others. We buy things because we need them, not, not to make others like us. We understand that, that all we have is a gift from God to enjoy and to bless others with. Again, what we don't want is we don't want the temporary stuff of life to rob us of the eternal. So the value of this discipline of simplicity that says, I'm going to discipline myself to embrace a simple way of living... It really helps me enjoy what God's blessed me with. Rather than thinking I have to have something else. So I'm always struggling and I'm always striving, but I have to have something else to fulfill me. No, find your fulfillment in Christ. Seek first. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first God's kingdom. Then He has all these things He wants you to enjoy in life, but you have to seek Him first. Right focus. Right focus is what we need. 
bringing us to right actions that bring us to righteous, godly living. As we live out simplicity, we also develop a healthy stewardship of abilities and talents. In other words, we see what God's blessed us with and we say, hey, I want to use what God's given me to be a blessing to others. I I, want to be a good steward as I'm honoring God and as I'm encouraging others through my life. So, So we have this healthy stewardship of abilities and talents. What we don't want to happen in our lives is to allow, again, the stuff to choke out that of God's work. The discipline of simplicity brings sanity. The discipline of simplicity helps us to have right focus. We're seeking Jesus. We're getting our definition and our value from Him. Here's the second discipline really quick. It's the discipline of service. As Christ followers, we're called to live a life of service. Rather than living our lives for ourselves and our own selfish desires, we are we're saved to serve. We're saved. If you're a Christ follower this morning, then I would, I would want you to know you have been saved to do what? You've been saved not to live for yourself. Not to seek out your own selfish desires. Not to go out and promote yourself. Listen, you were saved to do what? You were saved to serve. To live out a life of service. The value of this discipline is it helps transform our lives. Richard Foster in his book Celebration of Disciplines made this statement. I think it's there in your notes. He says, Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service, and nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. And it's the spiritual discipline of service to others that transforms us and trains us to be godly because it forces us to do this. It forces us to die to ourselves. It forces us to promote others rather than promote ourselves. And this is what I know about myself and about every individual in the room today. Every one of us every day could use a good funeral. Every one of us every day could use a good funeral with the death of self. Because again, I believe it is, it is the huge obstacle. And it's service, it's the discipline of service that really helps us confront that head on. In Matthew chapter 20, there's this story of a mom. How many of you know moms, praise God for moms, they're always uh, on the lookout for their children, right? Moms are what? They're always ready to stand up for their kids, right? When we see that in Scripture, Matthew chapter 20, there's a mother who comes to Jesus and she has a request for her two boys, James and John. So she comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I have a question for you. I said, would you grant me this favor? And Jesus said, what is it? She said, well, I want my boys, James and John, to have like these really important positions. I want them to have a really significant place in heaven. Matter of fact, I want, I want James to sit at your left and I want John to sit at your right. And Jesus has this little discourse with her about that. But the interesting thing, the scripture says that the other ten disciples were indignant. They were ticked off. They were angry. They were upset. You me tell you why they were upset? They wanted the same thing that James and John had asked for. Matter of fact, they were planning on getting to Jesus, and James and John's mother jumped in front of them and asked first. And they were upset. 
And in the midst of this dysfunctional thinking, Jesus redefines greatness. I want you to listen to what he said. Matthew chapter 20, verse 24. He says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. In other words, he says they're chasing positions and titles. Catch what he says to the disciples. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. So not only did Jesus Christ come into our world to serve, but He's called us to serve. He's called you and I on a daily basis to live out this discipline of service that promotes others rather than promoting ourselves that encourages others, that lifts others, that blesses others. You know, the world defines greatness in terms of power and possessions and prestige and positions. And the world, if you can demand service from others, then you've arrived. In our self-serving culture, with, it, with its me-first mentality, acting like a service is like not a popular concept. However, Not only does Jesus call us to service, but it's service to others. That really trains us. It trains us to be godly. It's through the discipline of service that I'm convinced we follow the model of Jesus Christ. Want to be like Jesus? Serve others. I mean, read the Gospels throughout the Gospel. He was serving others. A A great text to... That brings this to life is John 13. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Just before the cross, He's celebrating the Passover with the disciples. And get this, Jesus, the Son of God, fully God, took the lowest of position and He went and got the towel in the basin. What did He do? He washed the disciples' feet. And then He said to the disciples, Do you know what I've done for you? He says, I've given you an example. I've given you a model that you should do as I have done. Listen, when we're serving others, when we're living out this discipline of service, we're really following the model of Christ. We're, we're, becoming more, we're becoming more like Christ. Not only that, this discipline of service really helps us die to ourselves. It helps us die to ourselves as we serve others. Why? Because we're placing the needs of others above our own. We're elevating others above ourselves. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, Paul wrote these words. He says, Consider the interest of others better than yourself. He says, Don't look look to promote yourself. Don't look out for yourself. Don't look out for you thinking you're number one. He says, No, consider others better than yourself. Listen, it's this discipline of service that really helps us die to self, which again, I believe, is the greatest obstacle keeping us from all that God has for us as we're serving others. A great illustration of this, and not only that, a great opportunity for you. Every Thursday through the winter into the spring, we have a ministry here called Room in the End. If you haven't been a part of it, I would encourage you to check it out. I've had a couple times this year to be a part of it. Just this past Thursday, I got to do a couple things. But every Thursday, we have 10 to 12 neighbors come onto our campus, and these neighbors happen to be homeless. 
who are down in the city of Charlotte, homeless. They all have stories that go with the broken lives that they're living. But they come here to our campus. We send a van down. We bring 10 to 12 neighbors onto our campus. As they arrive, it's really something to see if you haven't been a part of it. As they arrive, we have some wonderful Grace Covenant folks out there shaking their hands, giving them a hug, welcoming them onto our campus. They're shown into a room where cots have been set up. A room's been prepared for them to put their things where they're going to be sleeping in a warm room that night. They're given an opportunity to have their laundry done. So while they're enjoying a meal, we've got someone that's doing their laundry. Then there's a wonderful group of folks that are, they brought all this food and we serve them a wonderful hot meal. If they want to take a shower, they, they can take a shower. They have a warm bed to sleep in. The next morning they're up, they get breakfast, they get a sack lunch, and they're taken back into the city. It's a phenomenal place of ministry and service. Listen, when I serve... Someone who can do something back for me. When I, when I serve someone who has that about, yeah, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to bless Brian so Brian can bless me. And not that that kind of service is wrong, but I'm telling you, we want to talk about taking service to a whole new level. Serve someone who can do nothing for you. Serve someone who has nothing to offer you. Bring yourself to a place that you're lowering your life, you're lowering yourself to the point of serving their needs. I want to talk about a blessing. Let's do this discipline. Serve. Well, we can die. We can die to ourselves. I think it's also through the discipline of service to others that we grow in the grace of humility. You know, the scripture tells us this: that God opposes the proud, but He gives favor to the humble. Humility is not one of those virtues that we pray for and receive. (coughs) Humility is what we build into our lives as we lay our lives down. Humility grows when? As I serve my wife. As I serve my children. As I serve my neighbor. As I serve the homeless. What grows in my life? Humility. So it's this discipline of humility that helps us grow in the very virtue that draws the favor of God. Think about that. It draws the attention of God. Remember earlier I said if you want God to do something new in your life, what? You have to do something different, right? You have to do something different that opens your life to that of of God's transforming grace. So service is not about an act. It's not about a list of things to do. Serving others is really a lifestyle we embrace. Every day, every day, I have an opportunity to serve. A lifestyle. Every day I have an opportunity to serve my wife. What's marriage? Here's a, here's a new definition of marriage. Here's a no, whole other sermon, so I, I can't get lost on this. Marriage is the privilege of serving. Bottom line. You thought it was about love. Well, love's in there somewhere, but it's really this. It's about serving. Every day I have the privilege of serving my wife. Every day I have the privilege of serving my children. Every day I have the privilege of serving the staff that I lead. Every day I have the privilege of serving you, the Grace Covenant family. It's a lifestyle. It's not, it's not a list of to-dos. It's, there's some to-dos to do in it. But it's really what? It's about a, I'm embracing this discipline. That's training me to be more like Christ. 
so that God can become greater. Let me bring you back to this statement. If Christ is going to become more in your life, then self has to become less. If Christ is going to become greater, then what? There, there has to be a death to ourselves. It's the spiritual disciplines of simplicity and service that, that have consistently exercised will help us overcome, again, one of the greatest obstacles to God in this being self. It's these disciplines that position us before God so that God can bring His greatness into our lives. This is what I know this morning. We need help. We need help, right? So let's pray about it. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank You for Your grace and Your provision. Holy Spirit, I just invite You this morning. I invite You to transform in my life. Lord, I invite you, Lord, for all of my friends here. Because, Lord, what I all know is that we have this tendency to be selfish, self-seeking. We have this tendency to get lost in our world thinking and it's about us, promoting ourselves, promoting our agenda. What I know is there has to be less of us if there's going to be more of you. So Holy Spirit, help us in this week, next week, in this year, to consistently, continually look at life saying, how can we simplify? How can we sharpen our focus? How can we seek Christ first? Not the possessions, not the stuff. First, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, help us. Open our eyes. These opportunities are all around us. Open our eyes. May we see the needs of others and may we move to action as we die to ourselves, as we lower ourselves in service. Oh God, it's there that you're going to bring your grace. It's there that we're going to be transformed. So Holy Spirit, help us. God, what I know is you are great and we want to position ourselves so you you can bring your greatness into our lives. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.